2: Hello and welcome to Off the Beaten Track podcast. I'm your host I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week therefore it's another episode. Today's episode it's with Angus Thurwell, CEO of Hotel Chocolat and you're in for a treat. It's a wonderful conversation. Angus has got cracking taste in in music and we we go in on it on a, a very very interesting uh journey today um that that's that's I guess yeah, it's covered a few countries, and uh, well, I won't say too much more because we're gonna we're gonna get on with the chat very very shortly. But this is just the the little intro bit where um, I plug a few other bits and pieces. So first of all, I just want to say thanks to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, I'd also like to thank Seventy Six for producing this podcast. And if you're a big fan of podcasts, I'd also like to plug my publication, which is www.podbiblemag.com, uh, which is a, a magazine I do with Adam Richardson and Scroobius Pip. And it's, uh, it's a digital magazine and a print magazine. We, the, the print goes out inside the Sunday Times and the, the digital is there to be read for free uh, on the aforementioned website. And it's uh, just a, a real kind of central hub for all things podcasting. So if you're looking for, for new listens and some tips and stuff, then, then go and head over there and have a look. Um, Also, if you like this podcast, uh, when you get to the end of uh, today's episode with Angus, go and have a look in the the archives because you will get to have free access to conversations with the likes of Motley Crue's Tommy Lee, uh, Melanie C of the Spice Girls, James Lavelle, Fatboy Slim, Glenn Matlock of the Sex Pistols, Um, actors such as Maxine Peake, Amanda Abington, Michael Smiley uh stand-up comedians like ed gamble james acaster jade adams there's there's loads to get stuck into so so have a rummage when you finish uh listening to today's episode and and i'm sure there'll be some over there that will tickle your fancy um and if you really like the podcast and would like to support it um because it is a labor of love and a wonderful labor of love um but i do have a patreon page that accompanies this uh podcast where i put up radio shows and video episodes and and such each week and you can uh, support that if you choose to otherwise just head over to spotify acast itunes all usual places and and get access to over 250 of the general release episodes for free you can find out about everything i've just been wittering on about at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com that's beat and not beaten Let's get on with it. Please enjoy Off The Beaten & Track podcast with the wonderful Angus Thurwell. It's Off The Beaten & Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network with me, Stu Whippin. Okay, we are recording. Joining me today via the means of Zoom, Angus Thurwell, hello. Hello, Stu. How are you?
3: um in surprisingly good form and you know uh drinking lots of cocoa and uh doing lots of big walks and you know uh feeling actually yeah surprisingly in tip-top condition
2: oh that that's good to know i mean i always sort of, or i have started the kind of podcast for the last sort of 10 months with the, the the obvious question which is how have you found um the last 10 months um as CEO of Hotel Chocolat as well as Angus the human being. So personally and professionally, how have you found it?
3: Yeah, I mean I mean personally, um I'm you know really aware that we've been so kind of well, so fortunate we're you know, we're we've kept, you know, the families all together. We uh you know, we live out in the country, so we've had space to be able to um to you know to, to get around. And I really, you know, feel for all the all the people that uh you know are locked up, incarcerated in places that must be I and mean, this must be um, taking such a toll on on kind of the outlook and the mental health so no we we're incredibly kind of lucky and then um business wise in in a i mean you know we we do have a hospitality side to our business so we you know we, we run restaurants we've got a um a hotel in our cocoa farm in solution and we've been incredibly um you know badly hit on that and and I've just got a tiny insight about what it's like to be in some of the businesses that have, um, you know, been the worst hit like, uh, you know, restaurants, uh, bars, um, music venues. I
2: I, uh, run a, I run a music venue and, uh, and it's, it's, the doors have been shut for, for a long, long time now. And I think they're going to be some of the last doors to reopen as well.
3: Yeah. Um, but, but for the rest of our business, um, I mean, and in a kind of sick sort of way, it's been, um, you know, exhilarating because, um, and I'm being really honest, and I, I know that, you know, this, we've been, again, very, very lucky to uh, you know, have the option to be able to do this, but we were able to accelerate some of the plans we had for the digital side of Hurtu Chocolat. And some of the things that, you know, as as one of the co-founders, I'd, um, you know, be, be being becoming a bit frustrated about the business that kind of slowed up a bit in its ability to make things happen. Because we, you know, we we had a bigger team and we had more things going on, and um, you know, I just sort of yearned for that ability to, uh, you know, pull a lever and something happens immediately. Uh, and and the kind of the imperatives and and the ex- existential threat of the pandemic to to our business made suddenly everything happen really quickly, and you know, staying ahead of that and 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 all the different crises and challenges. Was, was a bit like the early days of hor chocolat so as a an entrepreneur, it brought out the all those all those kind of uh you know visceral um excitements in, in yes. the you can business you know a whiff of danger for sure ever yeah. present but it was it was anyway i am uh, you, know, you know answering the the, the question honestly
2: <laughs> yeah absolutely I, I think i think most uh entrepreneurs have, have definitely found themselves you know in in, in situations. Especially, you know, in 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 some of the, the 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 sectors that you mentioned earlier, where you you do have to kind of look at what what you've got at your disposal, and and I love that kind of that sort of punk ethos that you you, you know at the at the root of it, where it's like right, well, I've only got this at my disposal. What can I do with this? And you know, where can yeah. I go with it? And and that does that that is exhilarating, and and I think you know that that's yeah. To, to answer, you know, the, the way that you answered honestly, I I think I, I I totally agree with what you're saying there, completely, completely.
3: I know it, it it can only go on i mean working at this kind of tempo and and with this type of creativity and this sort of just you know the the obsession the drive you know it has to has to have a balancing at some point because I, I i know I've been living on adrenaline for a bit too long and, and all my tight team have as well and, and it's it's sort of you know I'm, we're, we're wearing each other out and we' look looking forward to just having a little bit of um doing something different for a bit just to kind of you know freshen up and get the energy back it's 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 coming to the end of a long campaign i feel yeah okay
2: should we talk records
3: record yeah this is music is is been a a a balm and a and a refuge and you know during, for every, you know, in all times of, you know, all our developments and, and times of pressure. So, yeah, let's talk music.
2: A balm and a refuge. What a beautiful way to talk about music. I'm loving that. Okay, Angus, track one. I'm going to ask you to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please.
3: Uh, it's, I mean, I, that was the easiest one to, uh, to answer. It's, it's got to be um, Led Zeppelin's Kashmir for me. It just, I, I can't, I can't stop listening to it. it. It, it's, it's mesmeric, and it, it does something, sort of to my diaphragm when I listen to it. It's just, you know, I stop, kind of, almost like, um, quivering inside. It's just, it's just, it, it resonates so strongly with me. I, I can't describe it any more than that. It's just, I'm just there.
2: Was it? Was it anything else that kind of nearly made the cut?
3: Um, I didn't think, no, no I, 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 there's loads of tracks that I love, but that is the one that the beginning of it just, you know, just sucks you in so quickly. Yeah.
2: That so, that groove is so tribal, isn't it? And it's just got something, so many of, of, of Zeppelin's songs have just got that groove that's just, it just does, obviously, like you say, just gets inside you. Yeah.
3: I mean, it, it, it not, nothing came close in in terms of just uh, straight there. You know, it's that one.
2: Are you a big fan of live music? Do you go to gigs and stuff?
3: I've been going to um, uh, recently. Well, not immediately recently, but um, more and more um, uh, because of kind of getting a bit more involved in in in, in the music scene. In uh, my my son uh, Fergus is a, a singer songwriter and so um i've been spending way too much time in dingy uh dingy pubs and uh you know sort of uh basement uh you know venues and and all that sort of thing recently and it i i love live music There's nothing like it but i i have to be near the stage to connect i i, I just can't bear being near the back or or you know not getting getting the connection with the musician um i'd rather be at home watching it on telly or, or with a decent hi-fi system. But when, you, when you're in one of those really intimate venues and you're right there and you're, um, you know, with, with the live artistry, it's it's just something else.
2: Are you not a sort of fan of the kind of big sort of arena gigs then?
3: Not, not really. I, I mean, I like everything that goes on around the periphery of it, but I just, I just can't... I have very rarely had... Um, Seen, acts or, or or being being in the right position to fully appreciate it i think yeah. i think once scale it up that much it needs to be a particular type of of, of music um i mean someone like you know electric guitar based things can you know can float on the air and can really resonate around uh, i remember going to see um joe bonamassa at, um, at, a, at, a, at a venue in, in the countryside in, in, in England and, and that just really worked. But all the other acts before and after him I just couldn't kind of project homogeneously around the crowd. Yeah. It was just some people really were getting an amazing experience but 80% of the other people w- were just enjoying, you know, I suppose, being connected to it in some way f- yeah. but, but not getting the full, the full value of what was being put out there by the artists. Yeah.
2: I saw. I mean, we, we should stress for, for for the listeners that we're recording this on the twentieth of January, and we're, we're obviously currently in a a strict lockdown. But I saw a, a a video yesterday, Angus, that someone had shared from a music festival that happened last weekend in New Zealand, and it just looked crackers. It was like, what's happening? There, there's there's somewhere in the world where there's thousands of people all standing together, singing along to a a band on stage, and it, it was. Yeah, it was just so bizarre to see it and and you just think, it it seems so long since, you know, as as somebody that runs a, a, you know, a a nightclub sort of live venue, I was just completely used to each week just seeing sort of, you know, seven, eight hundred people come through the doors, hugging each other and dancing and singing and, and it's just, it kind of just left me, I think, where it's been so long and then just seeing that yesterday, I was like, oh my God, that's there's something going on in the world that like that it just it seems surreal to see it and and yeah just i can't wait for 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 even something like a big music festival or just as you said to be able to stand there in a in a basement venue and just you know be able to kind of look the singer in the eye and get that connection you know whether it's uh you know an eight-piece prog band or just a, a singer songwriter with an acoustic guitar pouring his eye out i just long for it i really really do
3: but it goes right back, doesn't it? I mean, you know, to how um, you know humans started first capturing stories and you know and folklore and, and relating them back to through generations of things. So that um, you know, ancient thing in us of of kind of listening to a, almost like an incantation or something of a story through music. Uh, you know, I think that's it's it, it goes you know right back to our probably our dna doesn't it in the way the way we like to communicate and and um yeah i don't i don't think we can have that taken away from us for too much longer without us all collectively having um you know mental health issues as a result of it it's completely it's it, it, we we just have to have it back don't we
2: yeah let's take you back Track two, please. The first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you.
3: Yes. Well, um, I mean, people who know me, um, you know, know I'm quite, I'm quite sort of emotional and easily, easily led astray, easily excited by ideas. And when I, um, when I sort of aged 14 heard uh, Stevie Nicks sing Goldust Woman, I was like, you know, under her spell straight away. Um, the, you know, the, the atmosphere that is generated in that song, which, which I listened to when, where we were living on the North Yorkshire moors and I was railing against my parents for moving out the middle of the country where there weren't any girls or any, anybody interesting to meet, just like farmers and things. And h- hearing Stevie sing about, you know the sort of LA scene and I know it's about drugs and but it's 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 also about the kind of captivation of women and it was like you know how do I how do I how do I get to meet a woman like Stevie Nicks <laughs> and you know it's I was sort of like walking around a trance for days just after you know repeatedly listening to this song so it had a really profound effect on me
2: what how if you had to pinpoint the emotion what what was it
3: Um, I think it was probably, I don't know, almost like, um, being, well, it was definitely like being hypnotised, uh, with a a big slug of just kind of lust, (laughs) if I'm really honest. It was,
2: yeah. Stevie uh, Nicks would do that.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I was just sort of like. Hook, line and sinker in it was just like my eyes were going round in circles, and I just couldn't think about anything else and, and I was just walking around in a in a sort of daze.
2: was there music on a lot at home growing up
3: um, only in, when we were travelling in the car ironically i' well, not ironically but we 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 didn't really play it at home my my uh my family wasn't really musical and um when i was growing up and and but when we're in the car my my dad used to put on simon garfunkel all the time and i can remember uh you know sitting in the back and you know driving at night with the the lights on the on the motorway and listening to you know bridge over troubled water or something and it was you know there's something about about that that's i still love simon garfunkel and actually um you know my my Uh, my son and daughter do as well. And you know, that, that was really, again, you know, one of those things about time and place and, and kind of feeling like a, like a family in a, in a, in a car, warm at night traveling and their Simon Goff and lyrics and the, and the soothing way they put it across. That was, that was, um, yeah. Um, important.
2: And you, you said that was, um, you'd moved to, to, to the Moors. Um, where did you Where did you come from? Where was you Where was you born?
3: Uh, born in Newcastle, and we lived in the uh, had a very happy time and growing up in the northeast. And then um, we um, we we moved to um, to Barbados to, to live in the Caribbean for about eight years. And then, why Why that was that?
2: Can you, can, do you mind me asking, like, how, how that came about? Because surely there can't be too many people from Newcastle that just up sticks and go to Barbados. <laughs>
3: Well, my, my, my dad's you know really interesting guy and he uh, was one of the very early um directors of mr whippy um, ice cream and um it was it was they built it up and then it was bought by a big you know northern northern foods northern dairies and they and they said well what are you going to do now and and he didn't know and and they they said well we've got this investment in in barbados that's a ice cream and kind of dairy operation. Do you want to go and run it and turn it round? It needs, you know, someone like you on it. And, you know, he's, he's, he's very adventurous and said, well, yeah, we'll do it. And next thing we're all on the banana boat, you know, traveling over by sea to go and move to live in Barbados. And that was just the most incredible time.
2: And how old was you when that happened? I, I, about three. Right. Okay. Okay. Right. Uh... And, uh, and so you was there for for how long
3: eight seven
2: eight years so I guess by the time you know coming back to to the UK at age ten I guess you you'd kind of planted some some roots in that there and made friendships i imagine so how how bizarre was that for a ten year old to, to come from Barbados to the Yorkshire moors
3: um well we we um, we, we moved back to um, uh, just outside um, New well Sunderland Newcastle um, lived in a place called Houghtonley spring and it was it was a, it was it was um, a bit of a shock to, you know on many respects you know sort of temperature wise and um, the kind of pace of life and and just the culture and it took a while a while to adjust but you know you when when you're young you, you, you can do that it was probably a lot tougher on my on my uh, parents coming back. Um, and yeah, it was, but, but, but also, I mean, it, it doesn't, it sounds like, you know, superficially, there probably wasn't much, and it was a slam dunk winner that Barbados would be much better than Houghton Lee Spring. But, you know, there's something really cool about uh, you know, the 1970s and there was, there was, you know, there's a lot to be excited about. So, so I, I don't think it's, um you can really compare them yeah and um quickly we you know we adjusted and and you know started to started to get you know make make a new life back and my my dad started up another business and um we we had a very exciting time from that point onwards as well okay
1: imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time
0: Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
2: Well, let's, let's stay back in, uh, in in those formative years um, because for track three, I'm going to ask you if the someone reminds you of your time at school, please.
3: Yeah, well, I, I'm going to pick a punk track here because the... Um, I, I, I went to a, a, a sort of boys' boarding school in, in North Yorkshire, and we had a lot of freedom, and I really enjoyed my my, my time at, at, at this kind of kind of rugby orientated, uh, quite laissez-faire boarding school. And I made I've got some amazing friends, you know, that we we still stay in touch all this time later, and. Um, we, we we started to feel, you know, like all teenagers do, a bit sort of rebellious, and the, and the, some of the punk bands really captured that 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 feeling of of sort of protest. And and although we were, you know, kind of ridiculous, you know, middle class kids in in a in a boarding school, you know, it, we we didn't look at ourselves that way, and we didn't think that represented who we wanted to be and how we wanted to. What we want to do next, and um, I think particularly the one that I can remember is um, stiff little fingers, um, suspect device, and that is just you know it comes from the troubles of Belfast. It's 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 a, a, a kind of work of art of its time and of its of the emotions that must have been going on there, and the and the you know it's like a the, one of the most well, you know the, the worst kind of effective civil wars really happening and that sectarian violence and the, and the, and just the, the way it must have felt to, to young kids growing up in, in that environment, you know, it's just perfectly captured in, in that, in that song. And the, the attitude of it, it's just incredible. <clears throat> so,
2: just get a timeline on this. So when you was listening to this and you was at school, what year would this have been?
3: I think I was about sixteen.
2: So that year would have been what? So would this have been like late seventies? Yeah, like seventy-nine. So did did punk have a, a big impact on you then?
3: Uh yeah, I, I I in my distant memory, I can remember going to a punk concert and being um gobbed on from you know like a, a rain of gob just coming down on, on onto near the stage, and uh, you know, just being in this sort of sweaty, writhing, you know, saliva covered mass of purgoing people, and you can sort of you know, abandon yourself to that. And I, I know, but I, I know I never wanted to do it again. <laughs> it's
2: like, this, I'm just a little bit too young and kind of missed missed punk, and uh, and I'd love to have experienced it. I'd love to have seen, like you know, I watch all the documentaries and I interviewed Glenn Matlock of the Pistols last week, and and just to, to, to you know to see that you know, that footage on the Bill Grundy show and just the, you know the furore that it caused and things like. That. I'd love to have experienced it. The gobbing bit. I'm not so fussed about no. well, leave that bit well alone
3: I know, I, so it's i mean I, I'm, I'm particularly uh you know fastidious about about you know cleanliness and stuff like that so i and it was it it isn't it isn't a new thing so i, I know that i was i was you know a bit challenged by that sort of experience <laughs> and i think as a result i decided i was going to listen i was just going to listen to stiff little fingers and and you know the jam was probably the closest i wanted to get to Actually attending a you know a kind of and um, I, I, I know there are more mods but there was you know some of their tracks were kind of overlapping or influenced a bit by it but hundred um, percent
2: yeah yeah the, um, the attitude and, and 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 yeah I think definitely the, the attitude and the and the the anger of, of of punk definitely the jam especially that the early stuff hundred percent
3: yeah yeah and um, yeah you know and so so I, lo- I love I loved punk, and I, I still, you know, still like it. And listen to it. Uh, I tried to get get my children interested in punk when they were growing up, and I put Suspect Device on, and they both started crying.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic! I mean, you, I know, yeah. Sorry, what was you going to say, Angus? Sorry,
3: I, I was going to say that the and um, the, the same thing happened when I tried to get them interested in Pink Floyd, and I made a mistake of putting. A video of the wall on where and they, and they started crying on that as well where the, the school kids put into the sausage machine and they, you know this anyway so i was i was probably well i know i was trying to get them interested in yeah. my type of music too early I, yeah. I kind of yeah but i mean by, they, by they,
2: terrifying them <laughs>
3: yeah, it was too too hard too soon yeah
2: <laughs> that is that is um terrifying though that 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 animation of the, the, the kids going in the the, the mints it's horrible. Um, yes. Just just to sort of touch on, on, on school a little bit more before we, we, we move forward. Did you did you enjoy school?
3: Yeah I I um I think a lot of the things that I do now were um started at school and the the, the, the freedom that we were given was just incredible and I took over the the film um the film society from some older Kids that were leaving, and it was just a like a thing. Uh, and we had an account with a a film company in, in Wardour Street that would send us real films. And, and so it was like, okay, um, basically we can uh, we can hire whatever film we want as long as you know it's kind of hasn't got lots of nudity in, and we can we can get people to join as a subscription. And then we can also sell tickets on the door. And it was, we were able to use the chemistry labs to, we had a, they had a projector and we got some really great films like Straw Dogs, you know, and the rumour went round, started by us that Susan George got a kiss off. <laughs> that <laughs> sell tickets. <laughs> well, know so basically we had, a, we had a massive queue of all, the, all these boys with, you know, like 20p to get in. And we made so much money over that weekend that we had to try and launder the money in case anybody found out about it. So you have go, we had to go into, um, in the local town and stop, you know, buying anything to get, kind of get rid of the money.
2: Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, I mean, just obviously just, there's an entrepreneurial spirit right there. And, and I guess it was unavoidable when, you know, just hearing briefly what, what, what your dad had done, um, already, uh, by, by this point. Um, was you a confident kid
3: uh, yes i i i, I was um, I, I was always well when when I got to i think about I was always very smiley and and kind of amenable when i was you it, know it used to call me um, chubby chops at school because I was smiling all the time and I, I hated that and and then, by the time I got to about four- about fourteen fifteen uh i I kind of found you know the real me a bit more and and i i you know i yeah felt that was that was really the beginning of of you know how I wanted to be so yeah i I've, I've, I've always been confident
2: what about driven have you always been driven
3: yes yeah i mean um I used to go and, when it, when it was the exams, um, I used to go and write out all the coursework over and over again until I kind of remembered it. And then, uh, cause I, I, I wasn't naturally academic, but I wanted to get high high grades. So I used to put in loads of work. And yeah, my my, my wife, Libby, doesn't have to do that. She's kind of naturally just, you know, kind of tunes into, uh, you know, academic. Type of thinking i've got more kind of low animal cunning yeah and and um yeah it's 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 sort of interesting the different types of you know intelligence that that there are around yeah but i i want to do well and yeah so so i've always always been driven
2: okay i'm gonna ask you for track four um the first song you remember buying from a record shop please
3: yeah um and this, this this song is a really happy song and it was when i was smiling you know in, you know just basically a big smiler and it 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 just you know caught my ears and maybe and lots of other people as well. it's 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 it's, a, it's it was a very successful uh at the beginning of abba so waterloo mm. and when 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 that came out and that was that was about 1974 so I was about 11 and um yeah, just it was just um you know, kind of so catchy, so poppy, so happy and um and the way they put it across as well, you know, and saw them on top of the pops. The you know, the the just their, their you know, the, the way they dress, their get up, the the, the, the two the two singers, um Agneta and Frida.
2: They looked incredible, uh, didn't they?
3: I mean,
2: yes, yeah, just like wow, you know, wanted to be part
3: of that,
2: you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think um, uh, uh, over Christmas, um, I sat and watched uh, the Mamma Mia movie with my kids, and uh, and it, you you just get to the end of the film, and you every single track that comes on, you just think that's an incredible piece of songwriting. That is, that one's a really impressive bit of songwriting, and you just realize yeah. that as, as much as a lot of people can dismiss ABBA as, as party music, and yes, they are party music, and they're fantastic party music, the, what they've done with them two vocalists pitching it the way <laughs> they did and the yeah, songwriting of, of Benny and Bjorn, all of that put together, I, I think they're arguably some of the, the, you know, in the top ten songwriters of all time. I think they're absolutely yeah. like, superb.
3: I know, and that's often the case when when an act is, you know, ridiculously successful. That by definition, they get written off for the quality of it. It's got to be, oh, it's so populist. But you're, you're right, Stu. I mean, the you know the the, the way they harmonise those vocals is like a mini wall of sound, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And um, yeah, and, and the quality of the lyrics as well. I mean, yeah, it's just got everything. And and the yeah, the, the you know the the rest you know, the Chip of the pianos and everything. Can you remember where you bought it? I think it was in, um, I think it was in Darlington and it would have been, I, I don't know the, 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 the brand, the record store, but it probably would have been HMV.
2: Yeah. As, as, as you started to sort of get older and get into punk and, and your music taste develop, did you, did you find yourself kind of being somebody that, that, that loved the record shop and would hang out in a record shop and, and you know spend hours devouring the vinyl?
3: Um, I'd like to say I was one of those people because that's really cool, but I just
2: want <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> You won't be the first to say no, mate, don't worry.
3: <laughs> I know, I know. I, it's, it's, if I had my time over again, I would have done more of that. And I, I, it's so great that vinyl's coming back. And i think for for um for artists like you know like my, my son fergus i mean the 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 way that you can have a fan base and the fans can directly buy vinyl from you and you can ship it gives gives um you know up and coming artists a way to to you know to properly um you know have a have a sustainable model and, and 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 not not just rely on 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 the unfairness of the streaming system, completely. Completely. So, so vinyls just the most brilliant stuff, and yeah, just the you know the size you can get your your artwork across, and and then you open it up, and there's you know lyrics and stories, and I I think if you remove that, it just takes so much away from 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 the enjoyment or or the initial your first listen of 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 that album if you haven't. If you haven't had the conditioning of the artwork and and the, and the feel of it in your hand and everything, it's it's like it's like having sex without the foreplay. Yeah, you know, it's it's just taken so much away.
2: I, I think that I've I've, I've had a sort of similar conversation so many times about you know kind of vinyl and and how you know people listen to music now via streaming services and that and and I'm always kind of trying to to not seem like you know, granddad and go, oh, no, it's not like it was in my day. But, I, you know, I, I always lean towards the fact that I think it's great that these streaming services, you know, services offer young people, the or all people, the, the opportunity to go and just explore music. I think that's wonderful. I do think the one thing that he's lost is that, that moment that maybe CDs to a lesser, but with vinyl... Yes, it's lovely to put on a piece of vinyl and hear that crackle and all that. But the thing that I, any early memory I have of playing records, you know, especially so, you know, you mentioned Pink Floyd earlier and things like Tubular Bells and and Never Mind the Bollocks, anything like that. The minute I put that on, I didn't then just potter around. I sat and stared at the sleeve. I read the sleeve notes and and just got every bit of information from that and i just think that that's something you know to echo what you said you know is lost now i do think that the artwork and you know there was some, a recent documentary on sky arts about photography um called icon it was a wonderful four-part five-part uh, series and they were saying that album artwork become a, a form of art in itself and, and and they were just going for all these iconic sleeves and and is that gone now you know, is that something that you're not necessarily going to see? And if you do, certainly not at the extent that, you know, previous generations have experienced. I think that's 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 one of the big losses, I think, from, you know, to, to, to yeah. the movement over to streaming. Uh,
3: maybe, maybe the, uh, you know, a counterbalancing thing, though, is uh, sync, syncing music with, with movies and box sets. Mm. And that gives you a, a similar kind of immersion into... A time and a place, and when 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 the, the the music advisor's done a good job of matching it, it's really great. Yeah. And I can remember there's a film, a French film called Subway, with um, Isabelle Adjani and uh, Christophe Lambert, and it's it's about the French metro system and, and kind of like a, a you know a, a alternative you know you know squats and and, and adventures and. Uh, that was the first time I heard Ricky Lee Jones. Yeah. Um, and the, it, it just absolutely was the same impact of an amazing album cover yeah. uh, and, and, and that sort of introduction to the music.
2: And, and there is, I guess, one of the other things now that is he, really good, that when you find yourself in them situations, you just can ask Siri what it is and within three seconds, you've got it. You haven't got to then disappear and trawl through Second-hand record shops to find it. There is, there's pros and cons. There's pros and cons. Um, let's get back to uh, to, to your song choices. And for for track five, uh, Angus, so I'm going to ask you the song that soundtracked your year's club in, please.
3: Yeah. So I think this is got to be uh, Kevin Rowland's Dexie's Midnight Runners" and um, the the there there, my dear. Is is the track I'd pick, and the sheer exuberance of that is is it, you know it basically got us all kind of you know dancing around, and I I went I used to wear um, a, a a sort of necktie you know tied like like Dexys and wear a uh, you know just a woollen sort of Guernsey. You know sort of sweater with his necktie and i was i was the only only person like um my group used to wear that but it was it was yeah it it's it's um that that's that was basically me and, and and also um the for years it was it was you know a a really a really popular dance track and i remember learning how to how to do um a, a sort of dance move called, um, syroc, which is sort of like a stylized rock and roll move, you know, where you, you, you know, twirl your partner around like that. And you can, you can, uh, it, it, I think it came out of France and I, I was living in France a bit after that. And we went, I went with my girlfriend, you know, now my, um, well, you know, my wife Libby, and we went to a, a, a French you know, dance school to learn how to do this siroc, le siroc dance that we saw people doing. And there's this, this French dance mistress, after having a few attempts to get us to do it, said, so I cannot believe it. I've got in one couple the best person I've ever taught and the worst person. <laughs> Which one was you? <laughs> think, think you know? Um, Lib, Lib, uh, Lib, Libby uh, had, had been ballroom dancing champion in you know when she represented you know universities and just has always you know been amazing at dancing and I just always been like leaden and self. <laughs> even though, even though yes, I'm com- I'm confident. I'm very self conscious in sure. you know and I, I, so yeah, we were the best and the worst couple. And anyway, so she kind of per- persevered and we got to a basic level of competence on it. And that was sort of like the end of the teaching. And then we, you know, uh, we able to do it on the dance floor to that music and it, it, it really worked.
2: I think, you know, for, for a lot of people that may not know, you know, the, the, the full sort of back catalog of Dexys. I mean, there's, there's so much incredible music to be enjoyed there. And, and much like the, you know, the aforementioned ABBA, you know, people just instantly think of come on Eileen and see it as a party song. And because it's been played at every family disco and wedding for, you know, yeah. for, for, for all of history now. However, I, I, I would, I would challenge the listeners to go and after they've listened to this, put that track on and listen to it and listen to it with fresh ears because it's a masterpiece. It's a yeah. masterpiece. Like, like Abba, there's so, you know, that Carmen Eileen is, is, is just, you know, gets dismissed as novelty and, you know, just a, a, a drunken kneezer. It's a wonderful piece of songwriting. I think Kevin Rowland is an
3: absolute genius. And it was so original when it came out. <clears throat> you know, there was no other genre that he was being derivative of. This was um, the real deal, creativity in music and making something distinctive and and the the artistry that's in there the you know the the sheer musicianship of 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 those you know the way it was put across the lyrics i mean amazing and and the way it made you feel as a human when you when you know when we first heard that music when it first came out yeah. and it's it, you're right it's a victim of its own success now it's like yeah. identified with you know kind of dad dancing and and <laughs> yeah. People who shouldn't be doing it have had too much to drink, yeah. and but I mean, what it what it does connect still back to is the feel good factor, the exuberance, and the the way that that melody connects with people, and you know the fact that it can get this it, lasted for so long, you know, it says a lot as well. Absolutely. Well,
2: for track six, Angus, I'm going to take you uh, home. And so I don't know where you're gonna go for this. It sounds like you've moved around a lot. So for track six, a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please.
3: Yeah. Well I I think it's Newcastle and uh, it's it's the North East and Weir. And it's it's gotta be Sting and um, uh Fields of Gold. Wonderful. That that is just an amazing piece of songwriting and uh I really like the way Eva Cassidy covered it as well. Mm. I think she did an amazing um, version, but Sting, yeah, again, he's a bit of a victim of his own success and people, you know, sometimes write him off, but he is the real deal. And, you know, he's managed to reinvent himself. He's, you know, he's still out there doing it. And he really, you know, he's a believer in, in, um, in, in in the power of originality in music. And he's stuck to his guns and, he's had huge deserved success and this is one of his um you know more well intensely reflective pieces yeah uh and shows another side of him
2: yeah absolutely had you had you been a a sort of uh, i guess coming out of punk had you been a a fan of the police prior to this as well
3: yeah yeah um and yeah there was so so much good music in that sort of punk and post-punk period that it's you just I mean, I'd need to, you know, well, we, we both need to write a book to cover all the good acts. I mean, it was a very prolific period, wasn't it? Yeah,
2: it, it's, it's, it's really interesting. I, I love to watch the, the, the old episodes of Top of the Pops that they put on, the BBC, on, on, put on on Friday night. And uh, and, and they're, they're into the 80s now. But when it, it first started, they'd, they'd be at the tail end of the, the 70s and a very, very sort of maybe 1980. And, and you'd watch one episode... And the genres of music that were happening then from, like, the early kind of thing with, you know, the early ska scene and, and then you'd kind of get the talent of punk and then you'd get some of the kind of new post-punk stuff. You were still getting, like, disco and there was just so many variants of and and then obviously synthesizers and the new romantic thing was starting to happen it was just a massive boom in 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 an explosion of music and from so many different genres and yeah it's a a super exciting time that 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 kind of late 70s early 80s and uh yeah I envy I envy you being in your in your prime at that point that must have been a great time (laughs) to uh to go out and enjoy gigs and such God permitting. Um, Okay. So for the last track, this is when you, you you get to play DJ Angus and it's a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear, please.
3: It's, uh, it was a a tough selection again. And um, I've gone for, uh, I, I knew it had to be something by my son, Fergus, because I, you know, we're, we you know we we just love his stuff and and he uh you know we we think he's really really talented and you know he's he's doing well he's but he's building building his fan base he's uh working with Jake Gosling on uh Jake's uh Jake's label um as a producer and 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 kind of mentor for Fergus and and they've they've achieved so much together Fergus Fergus has a lot of skill in uh, lyric writing and he's always since he was a young boy being obsessed about music he you know he had music scholarships all the way through his school and you know basically was singing going on tour from the age of eight onwards uh you know l- fell in love with the cello and and then um you know can play the piano and and then um when he went to university he he uh he went off music because he'd been forced to play other people's music as a kind of like a music scholar too much and decided he wanted to be a geologist for literally about six months and then he found himself on you know trapped on his university course that he didn't didn't love and so he he started in Bristol just teaching himself how to play the guitar from scratch and and then started doing, you know, gigs and, and writing his own stuff, and and then and then said, "Look, this so is what I want to do now." And we were totally supportive of that. And and he's he's been yeah he's, he's been uh, developing as a musician since then. So the track is not enough. It's a track about um, another of Fergus's um, failed relationships. You know, you get, he's, he's actually in a very happy relationship now and he's stunned to write some happy music, but he's got, like, albums worth of material from uh, mismatched um, relationships. And this is one about, about bitterness and resentment and it's, the lyrics are great, so I'd you know, recommend having, having a look at those. And the, uh, it's called Not Enough and it's on, it's on obviously, Spotify but the version I like best is the live version, which is on YouTube, and it includes uh, some amazing, uh, you know, kind of guitar riffs at the end, and the, the, you know, he and his he and his band really, you know, let rip. And it's yeah, it's it's just it's, it's just uh, you know the one I would pick. Wonderful.
2: And so that would be under the name Fergus Farewell.
3: Uh, just under the name Fergus. Yep. Yeah f-e-r-g-u-s and you can tell he's the right one there's there's a obviously you know a, a, a more than one ferguson on, on spotify but he's 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 the right one when you find an image of someone who looks a bit like jesus he's got a <laughs> got a pretty impressive beard and uh you know long luxuriant hair so he's the one
2: wonderful well um Angus, we put together a Spotify playlist to accompany this podcast, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll fill it up with all of the, the tracks that you've picked and so many other songs that we've, we've had a natter about today. Um, as we find ourselves, you know, strolling tenderly into 2021, um, what are you looking forward to most about this year?
3: Human contact, partying, music uh you know kind of drunken evenings uh not caring who you, you know who you bumping into or uh you know saying hi to or, or you know dancing with it's it's just that kind of release the which comes at the end of 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 you know a miserable period and it's get, getting back to the, the the that kind of bacchanalian enjoyment that we used to really take for granted that's it's amazing you know, thing when you've got people you really lo- you really love and like around you, you've got an environment that's playing live music, and you've got you know booze on tap. That's that's you know all you need.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Angus, it's been a real delight to talk records with you today. Thanks so much for your time,
3: Stu. That was a, a you know great trip down memory lane, and uh, really uh pleas- pleasurable time for me so thanks so much for inviting me on
2: oh you're more than welcome thank you there you go what an absolute gentleman we carried on having a, a natter afterwards that's always a good sign when you press stop and you just carry on having a a chat that's uh that's always a good sign that you know a nice connection has been made and and these podcasts are wonderful for that you know within sort of 40 minutes you know i try and get a a real understanding of 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 that person's kind of journey and and to sort of you know pepper it with with with, with chat about records and stuff is uh, yeah it's a real 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 pleasure and uh, and it's definitely been a an absolute blessing uh, during lockdown to be able to stay connected with interesting creative people. Um, all the stuff I mentioned at the beginning uh, I won't bore you with again, but there's Patreons and there's loads of other episodes and there's everything else you need to know at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. I'll be back next week. Stay safe, lovely people. Um, Yeah, be excellent to each other, and I'll see you next time. Much love. Bye-bye. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beat & Track Podcast. It's Off The Beat & Track Podcast.